Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Charles Brandt, commentator, Young Voices. Uh, just began his final year of study at George Washington University Law School. Congratulations, dear sir. Glad to have you on the program. All right, we're going to chop it up about the, I don't know what to call it, chaos as relates to the GOP House Speaker role. Um, so I don't want to know what you, what you presume or believe about that leadership dynamic. Uh, so I would just pose this question to you. Why does it seem as if Republicans are more dysfunctional than the average politician? Hi, Dr. Ritchie. Thank you so much for having me on today. You know, you pose a really fundamental question about the nature of the GOP conference. And it's something, uh, the GOP conference performs very differently from the Democratic caucus when it's given power. Nancy Pelosi is an extremely gifted legislator, whether or not you agree with her or not. She is able to get her caucus in line and march them in to vote things up or down. The GOP is naturally more rambunctious and has more disagreement amongst itself. And as a result, often struggles to do even the most basic things like, for example, selecting a speaker. Okay, I'm with you in modern context on that sentiment. I'm not with you on historical context because there are some avenues we are currently exploring that are unprecedented. We've never had a speaker leave term midterm. All right, we've never had this happen. That's why people are in disarray. Uh, we've never had the rules to be changed prior to someone becoming speaker to allow this to be a possible reality. So I would submit to you that part of it is because over the past few years in the GOP in particular, uh, they have started to dismiss what's called their platform or political floor. They no longer have a launching pad of ideas that bring them together. At one point, you could go to a conservative and say, what are the conservative values? And they could tell you. Now, not so much. They're not running on politics or policy. They're running on personality. And their personality is centered around Donald Trump. And because of that, I think they no longer have a center or a true north, even if that's a thing for them. It has created significant disarray inside of the leadership structure of the GOP. Do you see it differently than I do? Sadly, Dr. Ritchie, I don't. Um, you know, the GOP is really struggling to find its principles, its lodestar, uh, that guiding force that's supposed to tell you what to vote and how to vote. Uh, when things are personality driven as they currently are, um, you get really bizarre behavior. For example, you have individuals like Nancy May saying, on the one hand, we need a speaker ASAP, and then voting down the individual who just won uh, the GOP conference nomination, that individual being Scalise. She basically forswore that she would not vote for him on the floor. So you're seeing individuals with fundamentally inconsistent positions. Mind you, this individual in the past has said Matt Gates is a fraud. Now she seems to be allies with him. She's been uh, a, a, an enemy of President Trump and then gone to Mar-a-Lago and filmed a video, a kind of very supplicating video, kissing up to the president. Well, so let, me, let me say this. Let me offer one thing for the record because I, 
you know, I, I can understand why a Republican would not want Scalise. I mean, the guy said that he was uh, David Duke without the baggage. Uh, and David Duke uh, being a Klansman, uh, that's probably not the person you would like to serve as your leader, someone who um, happily compared themselves to a leader of the KKK. Would you not agree? I would take Nancy Mace's charge with a grain of salt. Um, a member. But what about Scalise saying that he's, uh, you know, a, a Klansman without the bag? What about that? I'm not familiar with the charge, but I am familiar with the comments of a Democratic representative in response to the charge. And he came out in defense of his friend Scalise, with whom he has disagreements, but with whom he respects. Yeah, what what Democrat said that? I cannot recall the name, but I know for a fact it happened. All right, listen, uh, give me that name so I can put my foot up that Democrat's ass who said that. And I mean that. All right, go ahead, continue. I will, I will after the show. Remind me, please. Uh, So you have a lot of moving parts right now, Dr. Ritchie. You have debates over conference amendments within the GOP. Uh, Right now, as the rules currently stand, it only takes 50% of the caucus to nominate an individual to run for speaker and to take that person to the floor. Uh, Some individuals are proposing amendments to lower, to, excuse me, raise that to 217. Uh, to spare the GOP from the embarrassment of dysfunction, that of which we saw when McCarthy had to go through 15 rounds of votes. Um, Another individual, I believe it's Kat Timpf, has proposed an amendment to raise it to 80% from 50%, uh, but the goal is the same. Uh, As you've alluded to, uh, Scalise is out Um, on Wednesday. He announced his interest in running. He put his hat in the ring, and on Thursday, he was already out. This is after he won the conference nomination, I believe, 113 to Jim Jordan's 19. And so now you have two individuals running, Jim Jordan on the one hand, who very much has a household name and who has over the years burned many bridges uh, within the caucus and across the aisle. And you have an individual named Austin Scott. And Dr. Ritchie, if you've never heard of Austin Scott, a Republican representative from Georgia, you are certainly not alone. Indeed, I know Austin, I've been Georgia, but I I know Austin. Well, you might be able to tell me more about him than I know myself, but he has put his hat in the ring and Austin is quite different, or Austin Scott, excuse me, is quite different from Jim Jordan in that he's not a household name. He's a member of the House Intelligence Committee and he chairs an agriculture subcommittee, but he has less of a household name and less of a reputation. And that could be good or bad. You know, people might be less likely to support him, but they might be less apt to tank his nomination over controversial things he's done in the past. But don't you think it's interesting that Jim Jordan, who received really, I was shocked at the vote count. I thought he would get more votes than that um, because he is a household name. Um, Democrats don't like him. I assume that more Republicans liked him than uh, did not. But then when the vote came out, hell, Republicans don't like him either, according to the vote, right? So then you have basically a no name in national terms, who is likely, in my opinion, going to either A, be competitive or get more votes than Jim Jordan. Which leads me to my next statement. I believe that this role being the speaker is one of those jobs where most people are saying, you know what, Mm, I don't know though. I don't know if I really wanna do it. When before, this was the coveted position. This was the place you wanted to become. This was, we have a whole hierarchy inside of both political structures. 
in order to make sure that we have a whip, deputy whip, a speaker, etc. That structure no longer is producing the leader that it was supposed to produce or designed to produce. And once again, I come back to the personality driven politics that we have today as a big reason for it. I, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, the GOP frontrunner right now for the presidential primary is fundamentally a personality, not a policy driven person. I mean, after the terrible attacks on Israel by Hamas, Trump, who purports to be an ally of Israel, actually attacked Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, the man really can't put principle first. He can't get over the fact that Benjamin Netanyahu congratulated Joe Biden a week after he was elected. Um, and when an individual is so obsessed with self, um, their principles are going to suffer if they have any principles. Well, at all. And, and here's the other part of it, the irony you just brought up. Uh, and actually, war is bad all the way around. Nobody has clean hands in war. Innocent lives um, are killed because the vast majority of the people, they are against the war. You got to understand the context. People just want to work, pay their mortgage, pay their uh, utilities, get food, take care of the children. Um, but you have Trump who has said something that would have gotten, let's say, Kanye West canceled, okay? He says it, the people that support him, they are right in line with Hannity and others about their support. But then Trump comes off message, says something off brand, says something that would have gotten anyone else canceled, but he gets to avoid the criticism and the cancellation so to speak, that would be afforded to anyone else. Why do you think that is? You know, I honestly don't know, Dr. Ritchie. I, I view Trump as, as, some, as really a disgraced candidate. Um, mm. but, but, he's, but he's number one. It's true. Many of his voters are disillusioned by the establishment. And they view Trump as the best vehicle to advance their mission of tanking the establishment. What about advancing the mission of bigotry, advancing the mission of racism, advancing the mission um, of um, out loud discrimination? You don't think that's part of it? Because virtually 100% of people who are members of the Klan, they support Donald Trump. Uh, the white supremacist organizations that say they are white supremacist organizations, 100% of them support Donald Trump. There's a reason he resonates to that community, is it not? I think the reason is, is that he says outlandish things that can be construed as racist, whether or not he believes them or not. He's a bombastic person. See, that part isn't important. What he says. His belief in things is not important because he's a man who has no principle. He has no core. So his belief is irrelevant. It's what he's willing to do that's relevant. And we see that he's willing to do what he wants people to believe he is. That part is imperative to understand. So while he's offering these statements, he understands that these are coded statements. He understands he's talking in code to people. He gets it. He knows his crowd. He's not a dummy. He understands how to read an ROI, return on investment. He knows the folks that support him and the folks that don't. So he says things that are inflammatory to men like myself in order to motivate men who are bigots. He does that intentionally. 
I don't know, Dr. Ritchie, that Donald Trump is a mastermind. That doesn't uh, take a mastermind, dear sir. Um, well, I would note that Donald Trump did better among minority voters than Republicans have done historically. No, sir. Uh, Mitt Romney got more minority voters than he did. Um, proportionally? Black men voted way more for Mitt Romney than they voted for Donald Trump. Yes. I've seen fact. reports. I've I've seen reports in the opposite direction. And, um, and and out of that, out of those reports that you saw, sir, you saw what's called a numeric uptick because of an elevated voter turnout. You have to look at it based on what's called per capita or percentage. Percentage-wise, Romney, based on all of the voters that voted, got a higher percentage of minority votes than Donald Trump. Look it up when you get a moment. All right. Well, well, thank you for that. Um, I will. Um, listen, Donald Trump is not someone who thinks about the things he says. I do not view him as someone with- You really think he never, never thinks about anything he says? I'm not saying he's a deep thinker. Have you read the Truth Social post? There's not a lot of thinking going on. See, thinking doesn't have to be intelligent. Thinking can just be linear. I do believe he thinks about what he's saying, but he's not terribly deep. He's not a yeah. deep individual. He's surface. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. cause and effect. But even cause and effect requires thinking, even if it lacks depth. Mm -hmm. And I think he lacks depth, but I do believe he is a thinking person when he submits certain things. Yeah, I think the basic problem with Donald Trump is that if you say a nice thing about him, he likes you. It doesn't right. matter how disgusting yep. or despicable you are. If he's that found part. out that David Duke has said something rather nice about him, it's gonna be really hard for Donald Trump to come back and say something nasty about Donald Duke. That is so true that on that, sir, we agree 1000%. But even that requires some level of thinking. All right, I appreciate you being on the show. Good luck in law school, man. We hope to have you back, okay? Thanks so much, Dr. Richty. Absolutely, Dr. my pleasure. Thank you.